and welcome to the Black and White Podcast, where we seek to filter the gray world around us through God's Word, with radical grace, raw truth, and real hope. I'm Denise Pass, and this month we've been navigating relationships, and today we are discussing friendships with author Kim Weir, who wrote the book, The Art of Friendship, Creating and Keeping Relationships That Matter. Kim is an author, speaker, humor columnist, and radio talk show host on the country's number one Christian radio station, KSBJ Houston. She is also a Bible teacher and women's ministry director. Bringing her own perspective as a wife, mother, and professional, Kim has been sharing the experience of walking in faith with other women for 20 years. She lives in East Texas with her husband. Welcome, Kim. Denise, delightful to be with you. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it is my pleasure. So Kim, reading your book was such a beautiful reminder that we are called to be a part of community. I can identify with you as I was reading your book and you talk about the frequent moves as a child. So I am what they call a Navy brat and moved multiple times across country. And I remember feeling like that perpetual new girl, you know, and there's some excitement and exhilaration with that. But there was also this inability, I think, sometimes to establish roots without realizing it. You know, I struggled to form really strong, deep relationships, and I could keep people at a distance. It's fun that we have that in common. I never felt the exhilaration of excitement about moving (laughs) from place to place. Uh, We didn't have that goal of the military. I get asked that a lot. It just was, you know, some family turmoil uh, that, that kept us moving and the while there are some things that you learn about resilience and perseverance and those things invested in my life from my childhood, because God's good that way, right? He just doesn't yes. waste things. There are things about how I relate to people now, like you, that are a throwback from that. And I didn't realize that. So things like, you know, I never really had to work hard at keeping a friend because after two years, I'd never see them again. Mm-hmm. Um So I never learned what it takes to be in the process of continually being a friend. But I did know what it was like to to do anything I could just to get a friend because I was constantly starting over. I don't think most of us really analyze our patterns and how things from our childhood are still echoing and reverberating in our adult life. And certainly that was the case for me. It sounds like it was the case for you too. Oh, yes. And, you know, I did have actually a lot of traumatic moves as well. Uh, There's probably 30 moves that I had before I finally, like, entered the stage of being a parent and having kids. And a lot of those were from, you know, divorce, 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 you know, parents going through that. And uh, But whether, whatever it is, I think moving can be traumatic and, like you said, can set set us up for patterns. So, so I also had to laugh at your dog's name, Frodo. Are, are you like a Lord of the Rings raving fan too? Okay, you say too, so I feel like I'm going to insult you. No, <laughs> but, but, so this, this dog Frodo is a great Pyrenees, and we, we are the pet people. We are, if there's a stray cat or dog, llama, horse, wolf, anything in the vicinity, it's going to find its way to our house. And this was just one more, this huge dog showed up on our porch, half dead one day and had a a rusted chain around his neck. And, you know, of course we lovingly nursed him back and he became the most loyal creature ever. And, but he was like a wanderer. He just wandered up. And at the time, I think Lord of the Rings was out at the movies. And so there you go. We, we took that adventurer character name and felt like it was appropriate for our little adventurer that had wandered up. 
Oh, well, you guys will have to check out some Lord of the Rings movies at some point, okay? Oh, my <laughs> sons are obsessed. My sons and my husband are obsessed with them. I just find something else to do. <laughs> I get it. Well, your story about your dog having more of an impact on your neighbors than you did is, I think, actually very common. You know, if you ever see even posts on social media about animals, they seem to get more attention sometimes than posts about people. And so I'm excited to dive into your book today. Uh, The scripture for this episode is taken from Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. This verse is such a reminder that we were not meant to live isolated lives separate from one another. We need one another. And this is seen perhaps the most when we're going through hard times. The season of life that I'm in right now is such an illustration of that, Denise. Uh, My father-in-law went into hospice in the last few days. It's just been a lot of emotional turmoil, decisions Mm -hmm. to make on top of um, multiple deadline projects piling up. And we get this, I do anyway. Some people naturally reach out. I get this conquer mode. I'm going to get this finished. But just yesterday, I sat back and I'm like, okay, what do I need? What do I really need to be the most effective and the most helpful I can be where I'm at now? And my answer was, I need a friend. Mm. And it's hard because I think we get to that place where we think, well, why aren't they reaching out to me? Um, And yet I was getting texts and friends were stopping by the hospital when I wasn't there. But I did the hard thing. And I, I picked up the phone and I called and I said, I, I need a friend right now. I've got, I have some practical needs and I'm just wondering. And of course, you know, they came through, but I've been through that season when I wasn't that brave, where insecurities took over. You know, we, we mentioned that dog Frodo. He was very instrumental in kind of giving me a wake up call. Um, he passed away right before my son's wedding. We'd had him 10 years and, and he just laid down one night and didn't wake back up. And I have a newspaper column that I've had for 20 years. And I wrote about our sadness that week in the newspaper column. And a couple of weeks later, I got a letter in the mail. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is so sweet fan mail. It was for my dog. That was a little humbling. <laughs> it was for my dog. Uh, and I opened the letter. And not only was the letter about my dog, it was from people who live 200 miles away, but their parents live in our neighborhood. And she was writing to say, hey, my parents told me, sent me the column, and we just want you to tell you that while you don't know us, we know your dog, and he's been a friend to us. And for several years, as we've walked the neighborhood, your dog walks with us. That was such a wake-up call. I don't know who those people were. I don't even know their parents. And here my dog is building relationships, (laughs) and I don't. And it was such a powerful uh, reminder to me to stop and look, where am I? Because I was at a season where I was about to need a lot of friends. A wedding was coming up. Mm. Well, you know, I think about my dog when people come over, he runs up to greet them. He sniffs them, probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> dogs are just like naturally friendly. Well, I guess some may not be, but I do think um, a lot of times we just don't pause. And I can be like you, like the conqueror. Yeah. I've got to get these things done. And so I think that's a beautiful illustration. So you mentioned growing up feeling insecure and the negative self-talk that kept you from friendships. And I really think this is all too common. We all feel inadequate in some way. And then we have seasons of our life. You mentioned you're in one yourself, and I'm so sorry for what you're going through right now. But we can feel 
accepted in some seasons and rejected in others. And we can tend to think that we have to keep things going if, if we have a moment of acceptance and begin to perform to keep relationships. You mentioned such a season in your life where you were not as authentic as you tried to be all things to all people. It's that sense of if people knew the real you, they would not be your friend. What do you think is really behind this sentiment that keeps us away from deep friendships? Oh my gosh, I can tell you. It's the mean girl. It's the mean girl that lives in your head. That's who it is. Mm. We all have one, right? You know, that, that voice in our head that just constantly whispers. They don't want to be your friend. You have nothing to offer. Oh my gosh, if they could have seen you yesterday, if they saw the way you talked to your husband, they'd never want to talk to you. It's this ongoing diatribe that we have. And I'm not going to play psychologist here, but you know, sometimes it's an echo of somebody in our past, maybe a critical mother or a friend or a hurt or a former uh, romantic you know, relationship that just beat you down, whatever. But it also, it doesn't have to be that. We're already our worst critics. Mm. And the more we give that voice an audience, we listen to her, the louder she gets. And so, you know, this insecurity that we have, it can come out of nowhere and it can grow if we listen to her. But here's the thing, girls, that girl is not your friend. She Mm. may live in your head. She may act like she knows you. She is not your friend. If she was your friend then if she had something to say, she wouldn't say it the way she does. You know, condemnation. Think Mm. about what God does as a friend. Kindness, gentleness, even in correction. He does not point things out by berating us with it or condemning us. So if you're feeling a sense of guilt and shame, you can bet you're listening to the mean girl in your head. And maybe she's trying to masquerade as the Holy Spirit. No, she's the mean girl. If you feel a sense of conviction about something and it prompts you toward redirection, okay, that's the Holy Spirit's voice, but that she's a killer. She's going to take you down. So you got to stop listening to her. Yes. I, I have in my book, Shame Off You, I talk about the difference between condemnation and conviction. And, you know, conviction is based on relationship. It's that sweet place. Yeah. If we know someone's going to speak in our life, it's because it's redemptive. They want it for our good. It's not this uh, accusatory you know, condemnation. So that's beautiful. Um, I think there's also this sense of wanting to belong that we all have. We just want to be fully known and accepted, which we are by Christ, but we really want those around us to as well. And we don't really feel like we fit in. But funny thing about belonging, belonging and fitting in are actually not the same thing. You know, we can try to fit in on the outside and really not still feel accepted. I also see this like social anxiety heightened uh, in part by social media that portrays these perfect lives. And let's face it, we're all imperfect. And as a mom of three daughters um, in particular, my sons as well, it has just hurt as I've watched them go through bouts of insecurity and being hurt by friendships. You know, they just weren't enough in some area, you know, always trying to be feel like they uh, aren't measuring up. And so I think we've had this handed down this wrong measure of what makes a friend as if we have to be wildly popular and have the numbers or followers to validate our existence. You talk about the moment in your book as an adult when you risked asking for friendship 
for a shower you were throwing for your daughter-in-law and how this showed you friendship is not always earned and that friendships we are creating are like a form of art. Can you share on that a bit? This goes back really to the significance of that dog story. Uh, you know, the, as I'm sitting here thinking about uh, the relationship building that my dog had been doing, I realized I had completely disconnected over about a period of three years from people. Our kids had become, you know, teenagers uh, and then young adults. And I, their, my people became their people. We were the house everybody would come to, the kids. And so I didn't have time to go out to dinner with friends, to cultivate, you know, mm. significant relationships with people who'd been close to me, either in our community or in our faith community. And so without realizing it until I looked at my dog's life, I, I pretty much was a lone wolf. And that was the same time now that I'm making out guest lists for wedding showers for my daughter-in-law, um, the celebrations, and I'm now internally freaking out. I, I'm listening to the mean girl, and she's saying, nobody wants to come to your shower. You've not had time for anybody. Nobody's going to have time for you. And I, I didn't know what to do. I'm like, I can't invite these people. They're going to laugh at me and not want to come. And the sweet girl who was throwing the shower for me, um, one of the loyal, loyal who stuck around regardless of whether I had time or not, just told me, Kim, you're being ridiculous. You just, you need to suck it up and draw on courage and invite people back into your life with the invitation to the shower. And I, it was, I, I did it because I wanted my daughter-in-law to feel welcomed uh, into our community. But I tell you, Denise, walking in that day to that shower, I thought, okay, if there are going to be 10 people there, okay, good, success. I won't feel awkward. Um, the room was full of friends. Mm. And they weren't just there. They were enthusiastic. It was so humbling and such a reminder that, look, the investment that we make in people is not a once and done. You know, friendship isn't a thing you do. And then if you don't do it tomorrow, you don't have friends. It is a building cumulative thing that you're investing in a lifetime. And I think we have to remember it. And when we do, when we realize that we're building on things and that it takes skill and technique and time, it, it really is like an art form. I mean, I'm not a science person. I hate math. They're all about formulas, get it right, get it wrong. Here's the same outcome. Two plus two always equals four. I love art. <laughs> I love work because you know what? Whatever turns out to be is like, oh yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, abstract <laughs> is the thing. I can get after that. But that's what friendship is like. You know, mm. it, it takes things that science doesn't take. It takes creativity. It takes risk-taking. You never know where the outcome's going to be. Uh, perseverance. There are all these beautiful things, practice, that friendship is requiring that art does. But here's the fun thing. You get the same outcome. Every time you attempt it, you get something unique. No friendship is the same. And quite honestly, it'll never be exactly even what was in your head. It generally will be something better. And so to be able to, to give yourself that freedom to say, okay, I'm not going to go with what the world defines as friendship. I'm going to invest here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to follow these you know, truths in order to invest in people. And I'm going to believe and embrace what's created as something good. Mm. Well, you know, and I'm the other way around. I'm really not good at art. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm thinking mathematically, hey, why isn't this relationship working? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, and, it, that, and that's true. And you said this whole thing about numbers, and that's true too. And it's because, like everything, the world in, in 
the place of a vacuum, the world is going to fill it, whatever that vacuum is, whether it's your yeah. spiritual ideas, you know, whether it's your self-worth or whether it's a definition of friendship, the world is always going to be there to give you its version. And if you buy into its version, then you are always going to pursue more is better, uh, you know, yeah. making it about me, all those kinds of things. Yes. And I think, you know, I find myself right now in a season where I have four children in college and um, I'm working a couple of jobs. And so I've told myself this is just a season. And well, I've sort of had that baggage from the past. Maybe I wasn't accepted. And so, you know, one day I'll have time for friendships. And so it's been very surprising recently to have some ladies at my church, just one in particular, pursue me. Oh, love that. And it's funny because I thought, you know, people are sort of like, oh, Denise is busy. And, and it is, it is a busy season, but it has really taught me recently that I can make that time and I really need to make that time. Um, but, you know, too, I think one thing we can do is we, we see these movies like Anne of Green Gables and other things and we, we idealize and idolize these friendships that we want. We try so hard to find satisfaction in relationships with others that we can become absorbed in it. And yet, friendships are a necessary part of life. God made us for relationship. You mentioned that the plan for friendship is God's plan. Can you share on this? So one of the great overlooked doctrines of the Bible is that God is a friend. His friendship, that, that's a doctrine. And, yeah. you know, we think of things like doctrines like justification and redemption and, you know, really weighty things. But the Bible has a lot to say about the doctrine of friendship when it comes to who God is. Um, and in that reflection of, of who He is, we get the tangible picture in the life of Jesus who comes and says He is the exact representation of God. And so I love this. I, I just want to share this because I can't describe it any better, this whole upside down. I call it the upside downness of God. We all, we all know that what that means, right? Um, mm. Is that things on earth are just strange in God's economy, but there's more to it than that. Uh, think about it like this. We often think about, hey, things on earth, you know, uh, maybe we'll find, you know, it'll later be reflected in heaven. Um, and the truth is, it's the other way around. Heaven existed before earth. And so... The things that are on earth that are significant are reflections of what already exists in heaven. Mm. Okay, for, for here's an example. God calls himself Father. So he didn't create the world and then look down and go, look, oh, wait, let's see. There's a relationship between a father and son. That kind of describes what I am. So I'll just tell them I'm a father so they'll understand. Mm. Flip that around. In heaven, before time and eternity, God is Father. He is Father. And in creating the world, he intentionally creates a father relationship so that we can understand what already exists. You mm. could put marriage in that category. Uh, there are so many things that you can put in that category. I mean, even just to the temple that was built in the Old Testament, it was a reflection of a temple that already exists in heaven. He calls himself the bread of life, Jesus does. Well, do you think making bread here was an accident? You can put friendship in that category. We have friendships. We're called to relationships that are friendly because God himself is already a friend. He says that he's our friend. And so I really just wanted to share with you what he says about that. Hmm. 
Let me get to that because I don't want to misquote Jesus. Surely that's up there into the (laughs) no-nos. Okay, so John 15, starting verse 12, says this. This is Jesus. He says, my command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants. A servant doesn't know his father's business, his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, I chose you. Let me just tell you, if you're looking for some friend roadmap on how to interact with people, unpack that one's over some time. Make that your devotional and really think about it. But here, here's the bottom line. Friendship isn't optional. We're meant to have friends to reflect the kind of friendship that he is already offering. Being friends with each other is just a foretaste. It helps us understand what he means when he calls himself our friend. It, it literally is a calling, a spiritual calling. Mm, I love that. And the doctrine of him being our friend. Sometimes I think we can feel like that's fluffy, yeah, you know, like you're my friend. <laughs> but what an incredible thing that we were once enemies, and he now calls us friend. Um, we could sit and camp on that for a while, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, you say in your book that the 21st century synopsis on friendship is that friends are desirable but not essential. It's funny in the digital age where we are more connected, we are less connected, really. We might know about one another, but we don't really know one another. You share that friendship is not optional. What do you think impedes us having deeper friendships in our lives? Part of it is our constant obsession with self that has just been validated uh, Mm -hmm. in the 21st century. I mean, think about it. We live in a selfie world. We don't live in an us world. We don't live in in a them world. We don't live in a community world. We live in a selfie world. And... That just means that we absorb that self-view and that becomes our worldview. I mean, really, we start thinking about what does this mean to me? Even when we read God's word, we no longer look at it and just say, what is God saying? What is he revealing about himself? How did the readers read that? Instead, we look at it and go, what does this mean for me? How do I see myself in that? Mm-hmm. And so we, this habit that we've formed over life, and hey, look, sisters, I'm not, this is not pot calling the kettle black. I live in a glass house. I fight this uh, temptation to make it all about me all the time. I mean, that started from the moment my husband proposed to me. I, I thought my wedding was going to be all about me. <laughs> I'm going through the, the, the listening to the, the pastor read our vows, and all I hear him say is he's going to love me. He's going to serve me. He's going to, you know, die, love me till he dies. It's going to be about me. Well, surprise, surprise, it didn't take long in marriage to realize, yeah, no, it's not all about me. And while that can be disillusioning, it opens up this whole new door to this beautiful relationship when it's about us. Friendship can be the same thing. Uh, Amen. You know, I confess reading your book was a tad convicting. As you share in there, there was a time when building relationships and sharing life was a priority. You also share about how we could juggle drama in our children's lives and, and still listen to our friends and share life with them. I remember uh, having regular phone calls with friends, you know, daily, We'd call and talk with one another. And that was when my kids were really young and you're in that survival mode. But somehow we become a separated society and stop doing life together. 
uh, like you mentioned in your book, I recognized recently that I really wasn't sharing life with other friends. I could blame it on busyness. I'm sure that is a piece, but something changed in me. And I wonder like, if it was rejection I've experienced or even trauma that I went through. Um, I feel like it changed me and caused me to pull back from the potential of being hurt. But I actually think the biggest elephant in the room is what social media has done to the word friend. And you mentioned this in your book as well, that the word friend has, is really becoming a fad. Can you share on this? Well, I mean, even think about it. Um, we used to have, you know, we'd say things like, well, that's my friend. And well, my friend and I, now we say a friend. I have a friend. She's a friend on Facebook. I mean, I don't really know her. I don't know anything about her, but she's a friend on Facebook. One of many, many who I wouldn't even notice if they stopped posting because uh, I really just want to know whether they liked what I put on there, you know, if they commented on my photo. Uh, so, in that sense, it's generalized them. But in, I will say, in one sense, I will happy to steal something from social media um, because it, it, we have this phrase in our vernacular now that says that we're friending someone. Hey, friend me. And it's turned it into a verb. And I will say, that is the biblical description of friendship. It is a verb. It is the doing. We are friending other people. That is our calling, is to go out and friend them with action and with involvement. And so from that sense, not that that's the way they mean it, but I'm happy to steal that. But biblically, if you're, if you're going back to think through what was God trying to communicate about friendship, sending Jesus into the world from heaven, um, when he says, I'm a friend, I love that God does nothing on accident. And when you're talking about the word friend, there's no time in human history that the word friend had a more significant meaning in somebody's life than in the time when Jesus was born. So the Greek uh, philosophers like Aristotle, they all felt like friendship was the most important relationship on the planet. And it exemplified this idea of mutualness, you know, and that they even thought about it as the building block of society, not marriage, not family, but friendship. And so here you have in the ancient world where Jesus is born, the most pronounced and significant and elevated vision of friendship that we're ever going to have in human history. Do you think it was an accident that he came in at that time? I don't. I think he's trying to communicate something. And even this idea that he says, I've called you friend and, and a friend, you know, a, a friend to somebody who knows everything. I tell you everything that my father said. That was another aspect of the Roman philosophy, transparency. And certainly we saw that with Jesus. And so just even in the time of his coming, we get a bigger view of the word itself with this whole idea of um, mutualness, transparency. And then he says, you know, that one would lay down his life. That actually, that, that actually means lay aside his life. Uh, it's a bit, you know, we want to say, hey, okay, well, I'll go that far, but I'm never going to have to lay down my life. Well, the translations actually lay aside. So it's laying aside your own agenda, your own self as a priority for the benefit of a friend. There's so much in that word. Oh, that is so good. And I look forward to continuing this discussion next week because there's so much to unpack. Thank you so much for being with us today. My delight. The raw truth is that friendships are not optional. The radical grace is God placed friends in our lives to walk through life together. And the real hope is when friendships fail us, God is our forever friend. You've been listening to the Black and White Podcast, where we filter life through the Bible and live life in the freedom of truth. 